Hello, everyone. I'm Colin Tester, Wrestling.com, joined by someone who I'll always view as the voice of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. Ian, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Colin. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for asking. So, obviously, we're talking here. It is January of 2022. A lot has changed. This uh, the first calendar year, kind of in, well, not year. I mean, we're very firmly in Ring of Honor's, uh, well, they're on hiatus right now. They're reimagining things. They're going through a, a trans- transitional phase. But here, we want to look back on 2021, a year when Ring of Honor really uh, just made a lot of strides, did a lot of cool things. want to talk all about that here. So, uh, just kind of looking back on it all, because it was such an eventful year, really start to finish, what would you say was your favorite part or maybe biggest highlight for Ring of Honor as a whole in, in 2021? Or if not one, you know, some of some of the, the most memorable, part, memorable parts of it. Yeah, I, I think I would start immediately with the return of fans. You know, we had we had uh, shut down on March 15th, 14th or 15th in 2020. We were supposed to do uh, what would have been the 18th anniversary uh, pay-per-view from Las Vegas. And, and most of us had reached Las Vegas already at that point. And when we landed, um, it was the day after Tom Hanks had said that he was COVID positive um, and that R- Rudy Gobert in the NBA had tested positive as well. And they had sent people home kind of memorably from the, the Utah Jazz game. Um, and I think that's when people really started to take it seriously. And I knew something was different. Uh, when I was sitting in Samstown in Vegas after I landed and somebody said, oh, this is the last spring training game and this is the last NHL game. And the NBA had already made the decision to shut down. So once you saw the other, you know, all the sports kind of shut down, um, you knew something was different. So from that moment through July of 2021, uh, Ring of Honor had no events with fans. And those first couple of bubble tapings in 2020, um, where we had, I, I believe it was four, four, if not five tests to make sure that we were negative at a time when, when that testing was very expensive, when it was not readily available. Um, you know, Ring of Honor did their best to keep us safe and it, it paid off and it worked out and there was no outbreaks. And then to be able to return um, in the summer of 2021, when the pandemic was uh, maybe at its most controlled to that point, um, was really gratifying to to be in front of fans. Um, it took my breath away. It just is one of those moments where uh, you you don't realize what you take for granted until you get it back, until you have it back in front of you. And so to come out in, in Baltimore with fans in front of you, and then again in Philly, and then again in Baltimore over the course of the rest of the year, um, that was a big treat. And, you know, those, those things I, I won't take for granted again. You know, the ability to be there with fans enjoying wrestling. And, uh, you know, as we found better ways to mitigate um, the pandemic, like the vaccines, like the masks, things like that, um, it it should be a little bit safer for wrestling fans and crew and wrestlers alike uh, to be able to participate again in person. Um, But the, the biggest moment for me was, was coming back with the fans and and being there in in Baltimore uh, for death, not death before dishonor, excuse me, for uh, best in the world. Yeah, it was a very, uh, very special moment, obviously, for everyone involved, for the fans who were there, for the fans watching home, because it is very different to watch as a, you know, from home, you're watching the show, the fans add so much to it. And of course, that's uh, even more evident when you're there in person, when you're part of the broadcast and, and so on. But uh, Ring of Honor, rightfully so, has been, uh, even now, even looking back on it, it feels so crazy to think you, you were mentioning uh, that, that pivotal day with you know, Rudy Gobert and everything, that was almost, almost two years ago. 
It's yeah. just crazy to think about. But even now, you know, to this day, Ring of Honor remains so renowned for the way that uh, it, it really, really prioritized keeping the talent safe. You mentioned the testing, the bubble tapings. These are things that were really, um, if not unprecedented, at the very least, Ring of Honor was really kind of at the forefront of that. Other companies did the, the other things. Ring of Honor maybe like kind of led the charge in that sense in some ways. I'm curious, you know, because we saw you mentioned the return of fans and then some live events like we had Death Before Dishonor uh, and a number of others, Final Battle in December as well. But otherwise, you guys kept doing uh, the bubble taping. So I'm curious, uh, someone that was there and, and involved, uh, at least on the, from the broadcast side, were there any kind of changes as things went on? Like, or was it kind of the same approach to the bubble tapings, or did it, was it like an evolving thing? I'm just curious uh, for your per uh, perspective on that. Yeah, as we as we learned a little bit more about the virus, um, I remember the first change was maybe from the first to the second bubble taping or the first to the third. Um, I forget when the change was made, but around either the first to the second or between the second and third, um, you know, there was there was more known about the virus and how it couldn't live on surfaces as long as originally thought. So uh, from the extensive cleaning process, we went to sanitizing the ropes, you know, we would uh, from the first couple of tapings, we would take the canvas off. We had eight canvases ready to go each day, clean, laundered, um, and we'd take it off, we'd replace it, things like that. Uh, by I think the third, I think it was the third taping, um, we had, we had recognized and, and aligned with the science that you would just have to sanitize the ropes and the turnbuckles, and you'd probably be pretty good at that point, um, knowing what we knew about the virus and how it lived on surfaces and things like that. Um, the testing got a little less stringent, um, but having been you know, part of GCW, having been part of Impact, having been part of New Japan at this point, um, it's still the, it was still the most rigorous by the end. You know, we still had uh, extensive testing, uh, pre-testing uh, before we could participate. Now, you know, credit to New Japan, who makes you have a, a negative test, credit to Impact, who uh, make sure that you're, you're boosted or you pass a, a test as well. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And, and you know, GCW has, has strict, you know, guidelines and warnings about your participation. Um, so there are, you know, these companies are looking out, but to this day, Ring of Honor is still the most comprehensive uh, organization that I've been a part of in terms of COVID testing. So um, we did used to test about a week before. Um, they would fly us in about three days after that. We would test that day. We would test the day before the show. We would take another test. So that's four right there. And then if we had any symptoms, they would pay to, to have us tested a fifth time. So <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty comprehensive to make sure that everybody there um, knew their status, was comfortable with the status and, and knew the status of everybody around them. And I, again, I think that's just a very, a very commendable approach. As a fan, I, I appreciate that uh, for the company to, to do that, to go out of the way to do that. And that to me makes it even more remarkable that in 2021, we saw so you know, many new highs, many, many memorable uh, memorable matches. And just, uh, as you mentioned, the return of the fans, other events as well. So we're talking, you mentioned the specifically the, the return of the fans, so maybe in a more, a more broad sense. Uh, do you have any kind of favorite matches of the year? Because I'm just kind of looking back on it. Yeah. I got to you kind of uh, a couple months removed from you know, Final Battle Final and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 2021, I, I think what the story of 2021 to me um, there were there were two wrestlers, well, a wrestler in the division in the division that that stood out. Um, by the end of 2020, it was clear to me that Jonathan Gresham was on a whole different planet. Um, with due respect to Jay Lethal, with due respect to Tracy Williams, Jay Briscoe, EC3, you know, Brody King, Flamita, Bandito, Rouge. Um, 
Shane Taylor, there, there was nobody like Jonathan Gresham. Um, Jonathan Gresham is an entity of his own and you are guaranteed to see a different match every time Jonathan Gresham steps into the ring. And he is somebody that is in such control of his craft and his art. Uh, but he's also nimble enough to react to the environment around him, whether there's fans or whether there's no fans, um, you know, whether uh, he's aware of what's, you know, the situation in, in the pay-per-view, if, if he recognizes uh, kind of where we are on the card or the time of the pay-per-view. Um, there's nobody, nobody like Jonathan Gresham. And that, you know, a lot of us were sensing that at Final Battle 2020 when he successfully defended the tag titles, wrestled an amazing match later that night against Flip Gordon. And then you go into 2021 and you're thinking this guy, he's already shown he can break out with the pure tournament with Final Battle. Um, he's going to go into the stratosphere this year. And, and that's what he did. Um, Jonathan Gresham is unlike anybody I've ever seen before. Uh, and, you know, I've been asked if he was always this good. And the question is no, but there's a big asterisk because he gets better every time he wrestles. So it's not that he wasn't as good as he is. He was one of the top 10 wrestlers in the world at any given point in the last 10 years. But every time he wrestles, he gets better and better and better and better. And he's untouchable right now. He is the best wrestler in the world. And so for me, um, anytime I got to call a match with Jonathan Gresham, that was something that was memorable to me. The ones that stick out uh, him versus Mike Bennett, uh, for the pure title at best in the world, um, him versus Dragon Lee right before final battle, him before Brody King right before final battle, uh, and then him defeating Jay Lethal to capture the Ring of Honor World Championship at final battle. Um, you know, he's super special. He's one of a kind. And uh, he just cemented himself kind of in the stratosphere, uh, rightfully earning a spot, you know, very high in the, P in the PWI 500. Uh, I know Sports Illustrated put him in the top 10. He might have been in the top five this year for them. And it's hard to argue that. So um, Jonathan Gresham, definitely one of the best in the world. That being said, I was shocked uh, with the women's division in, a, in a, the best way possible. Um, Maria Canellas, Bobby Cruz put their heart and soul and everything they had into finding the best untapped, unsigned female professional wrestlers in the world. Um, and it was just a home run at every turn. Um, I had been somebody in the past who had been uh, somebody that, that helped try and find uh, different talent. Um, I've never been in an official office role in Ring of Honor, but at some points I've helped with the women's division. And I know how difficult it can be in terms of um, trying to find folks that aren't currently on the radar because chances are by the time you've already heard about them, other companies have as well. Right, right. Uh, so, so for them to find Roxy for them to, to, you know, give Trisha Dora a well-deserved spotlight, Miranda Alizé, Willow, these just amazing women that have these incredible backstories that have these incredibly different paths to getting where they were. You know, Roxy was a teenager uh, when she won the championship, she traveled hours uh, to train. She would travel hours to see wrestling. But then you have Trisha Dora, who you know served her country in the military, who legitimate martial artist, who who knew every hold inside and out. Miranda Alizé, who who paid her own way to train in Mexico, uh, you know. And then we have Willow, who was an independent star, ready to break out for years and years, and just needed the right opportunity. Who captivated the crowd at Final Battle, and you know, Roxy had been probably our, one of our popular wrestlers period and somehow willow got in the ring with her 
and, and, and stole the show. You know, Willow stood out that night in a way that that we hadn't seen in Ring of Honor in a long time. Willow had the crowd in the palm of her hand. So, you know, hats off to every woman that stepped into the ring for Ring of Honor in 2021. And, and really hats off to the vision of Maria Canellis and the execution with by her and Bobby Cruz. Um, you know, that, that women's division documentary, if you haven't seen it, it's up on YouTube for free. Please check it out. Um, you know, there cannot be enough credit given to, to Maria and Bobby Cruz uh, for what they did and, and the execution of their vision. I couldn't agree more. I, I just got the chance to speak with Maria the other day for another interview and we were talking about the documentary and you mentioned, you know, this amazing group of women who really just helped uh, elevate the division to new heights. And as someone that's been there for, you know, several years now, um, it's, it's no secret that Ring of Honor has, you know, the woman's position hasn't always been at that level. And that was one of the great successes of Maria's work, Bobby Cruz's work and everything in helping elevate that. So as someone, again, that, that's been there, you know, for several years, seeing that difference, what did it mean to you to kind of see that, that progression and that evolution um, and that, that, pro, that the production of this uh, amazing tournament and, and just the kind of rebuilding woman, woman's vision as a whole. Yeah, it's, it, it's amazing. Um, it, it speaks to, it speaks to Maria's ability to communicate and her belief in the talent that she found and, and helped foster. Um, Maria has been everywhere in a good way. She has, she's a college educated woman who has had experience in every major company and years long experience at that, whether it's WWE, whether it's impact, whether it's ring of honor previous to this, um, you know, she's a, a bona fide international celebrity who's been on The Apprentice. She's been, uh, you know, the, one of the best-selling Playboy magazines of all time. Um, any accolade you could have, Maria's done it. And, um, you know, she's an amazing mother. Her and Mike are amazing parents. It's so fun to, to see them uh, on Instagram and uh, to, see, to see them interact and have fun. And uh, she got that song, uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno, stuck in my head for the entirety of the Impact tapings, which I blame her and Mike, <laughs> but uh, but just incredible. And it takes um, it takes a special person or persons to kind of switch switch a culture and to switch, uh, switch the way someone feels about something. And the I think there was a previous idea that there was enough female talent to feature a handful and to feature four or six um, and have storylines with with that amount but Maria said there's you know Bobby said there's there's too much talent out there for this not to be a bigger part of our show so one of the things that I'm most proud of of them for doing is at any given point we had more than one story arc uh, for the women's division Previously, it was mostly the champ. Whoever the champ was would have the story. And we had people come and go. You know, we had Britt Baker kind of come and go. Thunder Rosa kind of come and go. Uh, you know, so we had the talent. The, the problem was not finding the talent. Uh, the problem was making meaningful stories and, and helping the, the athletes tell their story. And, you know, to have folks like Sumi Sakai, Angelina Love, Mandy Leon there to, to bridge the gap from that first group, from the first big attempt into the second group where we had Roxy, where we had Willow, where we had Trisha Dora, um, you know, where we had this massive influx of talent. That was super special as well, because then some of that original group was rewarded as well, um, you know, with this, with this big 
uh, sort of boom and bounce back. And what was really neat, you know, Allison Kay, she was on, we had a Women of Honor event in Baltimore in 2016, um, which some remember, many don't. Allison Kay was a part of that. And then she was back in the door, uh, thanks to the NWA. And it was just so many, you know, so many neat things. I'm so glad that some of the folks that were around to take part sort of in the first incarnation were around to really bear the fruit of what what it became and the increased focus in 2021. You mentioned like bearing the fruit, uh, bearing the fruit of what it became and that very much came to fruition at Final Battle where we saw Roxy defending as well as you mentioned and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Final Battle literally end of an era in the name uh, and again, as I said a couple minutes ago, as someone that's been with Ring of Honor, who I said right away, I, I consider you the voice of Ring of Honor. Uh, what did that show mean to you going into it uh, at the show itself and then in the aftermath, given given all, all the circumstances kind of surrounding the show and, and what we've seen uh, kind of unfold ever since in terms of the company going on hiatus and everything? Yeah, they, I think the, the best thing that happened was we taped the TV that was to occur after Final Battle before Final Battle. So for me... What I mean by that is I got my ugly cry out. <laughs> I, got, I got my uncontrollable, can't be consoled by Caprice Coleman, by Delirious, by Maria, by Matt Taven, shaking, crying, bawling my eyes out, cry out at that taping. Um, what was tricky about that is when I said goodbye, I had to come back the next day and film episodes that took place before that. Um, so, and then I had to come back for final battle. So, you know, when, when we got to final battle, uh, Caprice and I made the explicit decision to take the hands off, to, to take, take our hands off the steering wheel, put our feet on the gas, and we're just going to tell it like it is. And we don't know if we're coming back, we don't, as in Caprice and I. Um, I have very much reason to believe I will be back on April 1st, um, judging by the way I'm being promoted <laughs> for events and different things and, and by some good, you know, some good signs and some discussions. So I, I have a feeling I will be there April 1st. I hope Caprice will be as well. Um, I have reason to believe Caprice will be if, if Caprice, uh, if the, the number is right for Caprice. So, um, you know, to me, it was foot on the gas, hands off the wheel. Let's have fun. Wherever this takes us, it takes us. And, you know, we were honest throughout the night. Um, you know, Shane Taylor versus Kenny King. We knew both of those guys were legitimate free agents on December 31st. And so for us, we told, you know, we made sure to tell the story. Yeah, this is a grudge match. You should care about this. But also this is an audition. There are people from other companies. I got texts throughout the night from people from AEW, from Impact, from WWE, who said, we're rooting for you guys. We hope you succeed. We hope this isn't the last one. But if it is, we're watching and we love you. And so we know that those companies and our friends at, at the different companies are watching and, and we're rooting our guys on. So we're Caprice and I, were, we did our best to leave everything out on the table to try and make everybody look like a million dollars. Because the reality is there were there are legitimate free agents as of December 31st. We were trying to shine them up as much as we could and make them look like a million dollars. We were trying to have fun and make make light of the situation. I, I cursed for the first time ever on pay-per-view. Um, I snuck in another curse at GCW, but that's a different thing. <laughs> I actually snuck in a lesser curse at GCW, one that's allowed on, on uh, network television, believe it or not. But uh, but yeah, it's, you know, we were having fun. We were having a good time. 
um, the weight was already off our shoulders a little bit because we had already had to face the reckoning that we might have called the last TV together. We had already faced the reckoning that this might be the last one. And, you know, the best thing that could have happened for us as a broadcast team was that we knew when it was going to end and not many people have a chance to say goodbye. Um, you know, when, when Nitro went off the air in Panama beach, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they said, you know, they, they thought they were coming back. They had May 6th for the big bang. They had plans. If that didn't work out and they sold the WWF to run Sabler arena. I have the ticket stub. I think it was March 19th, 20, 2001. Um, you know, it was a different brand under the WWE thing. So WCW didn't know that that was the last time they'd, they'd say goodbye. They recorded an, an exit for Worldwide, which aired in, you know, by then like 20 markets or 25 markets. There's a clip that finally showed up in color on YouTube of, of, of you know, Scott Hudson saying goodbye. Um, but it's very rare. AWA didn't know when they were closing. Uh, USWA didn't really know when they were kind of closing and turning into something different. ECW definitely did not know that it was closing. They ran, you know, they, they were in Arkansas on January the 13th, my, you know, my 14th birthday. Uh, and then it was just over uh, in 2001. So yeah, we had a very special opportunity and, and I'll never take it for granted. We wanted to make it fun. We wanted to promote our individual wrestlers as much as we could. We wanted to celebrate Ring of Honor and we didn't want to give anybody false hope. We didn't know for sure we were told we quote unquote might be coming back. Um, when the word hiatus has been used, I, I used the WCW example, it didn't work out. So we didn't want anybody to think, oh yeah, this is, but we didn't want to be gloom and doom either. We didn't, you know, if it did work out, which it, it's going to, um, at least for the super card, you know, we didn't want people to say, oh, that was a, they were just advertising. We were giving the information as we were given. And we just wanted to make sure it was the most fun event we could have in light of the circumstances and you guys did a, a great job in doing that you and caprice the, as a commentary team the company as a whole i mean you mentioned WCW and everything as a fan that is exactly why i myself at least speaking personally like fi final battle was so bittersweet kind of scary where where you've got all this the news and the reports and some general kind of vibes of like they're literally saying it's the end of an era is there going to be another era and again with those historical uh, precedents of, of WCW everything it's like this is going to be a great show but then when it's over there's that that sadness of like are they coming back I don't know and all these things and and now we do know that they got Ring of Honor is we'll be back with Supercard in April and on, on the road to that show to me, one of the most exciting things has been seeing uh, Ring of Honor in this in this time right now, this this hiatus, this kind of downtime, uh, live on through Jonathan Gresham defending the title elsewhere. Through uh, you've you've been uh, on commentary for New, New Japan Strong and GCW, and now Impact. Impact stuff is especially exciting. I mean, when Honor No More showed up, uh, hard to kill. I myself, I know many many Ring of Honor fans just were thrilled. Because that was like this first real kind of sign of of life, if you will. Like Ring of Honor will live on no matter what. Where you have top stars like Matt Taven, PCO, Vincent, Mike Bennett, like really 
representing that brand and now we're seeing how that's continue to play out but uh with that in mind uh what would you say might be some of the the most promising have opportunities in that in that collaboration with other companies because ring Vonder has a history of doing that with new japan with many others but it feels much more more prevalent now where we're literally seeing this this invasion angle ring Vonder women's title is defended on impact wrestling and aggression has also been the title so we're seeing it feels like an evolution in a way is what i'm trying to say yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I haven't been involved in the office, but when you work there long enough, uh, you you see things, you hear things. And over the years, and, and I'll, I'll tell you how I got involved with Impact. Um, I saw the Jonathan Gresham match announcement, and I jokingly tweeted, uh, hey, if at Deanna Peraza is going to defend the, you know, challenge for the title, uh, I'd like to be involved at Scott Demore. And I just, you know, I threw it out there and I've known Deanna since she's 18 years old. Um, you know, I've known Deanna for forever. She, she wrestled at the Monster Factory for a little bit, uh, training with Damian Adams. And, um, you know, I really did want to call that match. I really did want to call Roxy versus Deanna. And sometimes you just got to shoot your shot, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I got hit up by somebody involved in TNA and, or excuse me, Impact. And they said, um, uh, they said, hey, um, you know, if you really want to do this, I could, you want me to ping Scott? I said, hell yeah, I want to do, I really want to do this. Like, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I want to call the Gresham match too. And so, I, I mean, like within a day, I got a message from Scott and, um, you know, it, it was very pleasant. And I said, and I wrote to him and I said, Hey, Scott, you know, I, we've met a couple times and you've come to our Toronto shows. I don't know if you remember me. I wasn't, the, I was, you know, I was the B team guy. I was the internet guy. And then I wasn't the main announcer. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to call this, this bout, uh, you know, for the ring of honor women's world championship. And he said, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so like, we'll get you within like an hour. I got an email and the plane ticket and we were set. We were off to the races. Um, I don't think that would have happened a couple of years ago. Uh, there were times and it's, it's documented. I know, uh, PW insider covered it. Um, I know, uh, the wrestling observer covered it where, impact and ring of honor did not get along there was a very uh, kind of famous public spat regarding the hardy boys um the hardys and the young bucks and there's some public information on that and it just it was oil and water for a while i remember when austin aries was technically a free agent but he was the impact champion he was on a pay-per-view with us and i i couldn't mention the impact belt because we didn't know where we stood in the relationship or if you know how it was there so there was always kind of a tiptoeing around impact, but you know, with the hiatus, I think everybody's eyes are opened a little more. Um, Scott was awesome. He allowed any talent that wanted to send in a video. Uh, he encouraged talent to send in video as did Jimmy Jacobs, who's a part of their team, as did RD Evans, who's a part of their team. And we love Jimmy, we love RD and we're getting to know and love Scott as well. So, you know, that's, that was a big olive branch right there. Uh, and then Deanna, him allowing Deanna and, and Impact allowing Deanna to be on our pay-per-view, uh, another big olive branch. So for us, um, you know, that there's suddenly water under the bridge there. And there's all these new exciting opportunities. If, you know, if Roxy, you know, depending on where her career takes it, takes her, wouldn't it be amazing to see her challenge for the title in Texas, where she's from, you know, where, you know, her home state. Uh, wouldn't it be exciting to see um, the Impact Tag Team Champions, uh, you know, the 
the Good Brothers take on the Briscoes, a long-standing feud that dates back years and years to New Japan and some of their battles in Ring of Honor. Um, to me, the the possibilities are endless. I mean, there's there's so many over there's so much overlap. You know, Moose, the World Champion in Impact, former Ring of Honor guy, he never really got a shot at the title here in, in Ring of Honor. Wouldn't it be cool to see him him do that? Um, we've never really seen uh, Brian Myers. You know, we've never really seen him in Ring of Honor. We've never seen Matt Cardona in Ring of Honor. We've seen Chelsea Green. Uh, so, you know, there's there's definite crossover. I'd love to call a match with Mickey James, um, absolute legend. Uh, you know, there's stuff as a broadcaster that I want to do, and I want to make history, and I want to be a part of, and I'm hoping that partnership or at least the friendliness continues because I think there's a lot to be said there. I think it benefits us to scratch each other's backs. They have good clearance on cable. We have really good clearance on syndication. If you combine the two, you get a whole lot of compositized together. Um, you know, same thing with GCW. They have an amazing fan base that does amazing live events. That's one piece that right now they're probably doing better than almost anybody else, especially at the level they're doing it. Uh, so, I mean, if if there's a way to triangulate the three and then you can't rule out, you know, the, the big dogs in the room, um, AEW, who's got amazing cable coverage, you know, so suddenly now you're talking about amazing cable coverage, uh, very good cable coverage, very good syndication, amazing live events, and then throw New Japan in there who's got the history, the legacy, um, and the ability to bring over some great talent Um and suddenly that those are five organizations that if they're all kind of working together, you can get dream match after dream match and just be in an, an amazing situation. So for me, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, man, I did events with four companies in 42 days. I did, two, you know, three pay-per-views for three companies, TV for four. I, why can't the wrestlers do this? You know, and maybe this is just a special period, maybe just on hiatus, you know, maybe I lucked out and maybe it's just a once in a lifetime thing where I got all these different opportunities because right now things are just kind of paused or in limbo, but why can't this be a real thing for the wrestlers? You know, uh, why can't this be something where it turns into the Avengers? It turns into the, you know, and it's very tough to do, you know, don't get me wrong. Pro wrestling USA tried to do it in 85 and it didn't work out and just kind of turned into the AWA with the TV time slot and, you know, just trying to run the Northeast, but I think there's a way to do it. And, um, you know, honor no more and, you know, increase the impact TV rating. So there's an appetite for impact fans to see ring of honor stars. I know there's an appetite for ring of honor fans to see impact stars as well, because you see the reaction Deanna got, um, same thing. There's an appetite for Ring of Honor fans to see AEW stars when FTR showed up. I think the same could be true in the other direction. You know, Dan Housen, super talented guy, got his first national TV break with Ring of Honor, shows up, blows the roof off at AEW. Same thing with Brody King and Jay Lethal. The franchise got a, a massive reaction as well. So I think there's an appetite to see people in different places. Everybody can have a home base. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for there to be a little bit of movement and a little bit of cooperation. And I really think it could build into something special. So, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about uh, what may have accidentally been unlocked with this hiatus because all of a sudden, all the awkwardness, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, for for the last three years, it's been tough for people in Ring of Honor to see how successful AEW has been. 
You know, it was tough to see those talented people, not just talented wrestlers, but talented people, talented marketers, talented wrestlers, you know, take what they did best that helped draw a lot of the bigger crowds in Ring of Honor history and and take it to a different and bigger platform and, and really be successful. And I think a lot of those, the, I think a lot of those cold feelings have melted for, from people who've had them. I think a lot of the cold feelings around impact have melted around folks that have had them. And I think a lot of the, you know, with GCW, it's, it's definitely new and exciting. Um, it's, you know, they find talent in, in the most amazing places, places no one else looks. And, you know, you see that, you know, Alex Zane was a guy from Kentucky, Tony Deppin from central Pennsylvania, and they found him and they brought him into the fold. And now Deppin and Zane are on ring of honor. They're on impact, new Japan, you name it. So it's pretty neat. And I think there's, I think there's a place for at least kind of a loose partnership and a loose alliance uh, because the reality is that every company that I named um, seems to care about their athletes and their staff in, in, a, in the same way. And there's a lot of consistent values, um, especially during the pandemic. I think we found out during the pandemic which companies um, are willing to, to step up to the plate for their talent. And I think that's what, what binds the five companies, including New Japan, um, that I just mentioned. I mean, as a fan, it's really cool to see the collaboration, the crossover, the the thought of what could come. As you mentioned, so many possibilities. Um, like this is pretty much all I ever wanted to see. Just like this collaboration, because for a while it felt not because again I mentioned previously it felt like there's there was the the, the working relationship, there were talent exchanges and everything, and then things kind of changed a little bit. The, the pandemic played a big role in that, and now to see kind of on the other side. Impact, GCW, New Japan, again, all these things. It's very, very exciting. And you mentioned the ice softening a little bit and maybe the, the hiatus playing a part in that. So now, I guess, to close out here, moving forward, uh, we're still, the Ring of Honor is still in the hiatus right now, but we know they'll be back April 1st for Supercard. Uh, you know, how, I guess, I guess a two-part question. Like, why do you think the hiatus has been kind of a catalyst for, perhaps a catalyst for this collaboration? And also, how do you think it could really benefit Ring of Honor uh, maybe, maybe upon its return? Like what might, what might be the best opportunity in that sense? Yeah, I think, I think in terms of um, being a catalyst, uh, it's, it's done, it's forced Ring of Honor to look introspectively. And the Ring of Honor business model, uh, Sinclair Broadcasting or Ring of Honor's parent company, I, uh, they have something really special in ring of honor. They have a, they have a TV show that is cheaper to produce than most other TV shows that is first run. That's original programming that does really good numbers. And the, the numbers that I saw publicly posted were 400,000 on average um, with a a pretty good demo. I think it was 175,000 in in the key demo, um, which for syndicated program that is not on a consistent time is quite good. Um, so something that's affordable that can that is first run that's unique uh to sinclair broadcasting it's it's an asset and that i don't believe that includes our airings on stadium and our airings on on our different channels that have some cable coverage as well so you know that's that's pretty cool and with that um you know i i think the the impetus is always to deliver for television and i I think kind of introspectively, I think where the pandemic has hurt us is 
Ring of Honor, when it launched, was not a television company. It was known for its live events. It was known to see Brian Danielson. It was known to see Samoa Joe. You'd go there to see and feel Jack Evans and Matt Seidel and Delirious and CM Punk and Cole Cabana. And it, the magic kind of slips away when you're not having those, those live events. And, you know, when I was at GCW, I, I got the feeling again. And even Impact, you know, the rabid, hungry fans, a great turnout you know, all four nights I was at impact rabid, hungry fans that were ready to, to cheer and, and, you know, cheer on their favorite wrestlers. I think if the timing is right, I think there will be a safe enough period to run live events that are not a risk to wrestlers and to, and to crowds. And I think if, if this is sort of played right and timed, right. Um, Ring of Honor can do a lot of the things that that we used to do to get fans excited about live wrestling and about really good wrestling. We've we've had the best wrestling on the planet. So uh, I think, you know, this hiatus gives us time and gives us uh, time to think inwardly about what Ring of Honor is and should be. Um, it is a television product that's not going away. We're, we're obligated to do an hour of TV each week. But um, how do you get more eyes on the TV product to me? That's by selling Ring of Honor as an experience. It's by having live events, having something you can see and feel and experience in person. So I think that's going to be our greatest benefit. I think this hiatus eats away some of the time of the, the pandemic. And hopefully we continue to have better treatments, better mitigation methods. Um, and, you know, hopefully by the, by the summer, uh, you know, maybe this will be behind us or very close to being behind us. And with that, I think people are going to have an appetite to go out. I think people are going to have an appetite to enjoy live events even more so. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity there uh, to invite fans back in in a big way. And, you know, fans that might have been on the fence before about seeing Ring of Honor might actually be more inclined if the pandemic is is in a place where it's a little bit more under control. So that's what I'm hopeful for. I think that's, that's one of the interesting things this reset um, gives us and this hiatus gives us. Um, you know, coming out of it, um, it's it's sad to me because there are there are wrestlers I, I won't see again. Um, just by mathematics, uh, you know, I was at Impact. I noticed they have about twenty five or thirty people on the roster, and they have a two hour program each week. Um, in comparison, for these bubbles, we we had between forty and fifty in in for the bubble, and we had a one hour program each week. So, I, I think just by kind of sheer attrition. Um, I, you know, I think we're, we're probably going to end up closer to where impacts numbers are. And I don't have any insight on that, but when you only have half the amount of television time, it can become more difficult to feature as many talents as we had. And, you know, historically that number came from running, we would do 50 and 60 live events per year. My first year I did, I did over 50. My second year I did over 60 as the lead commentator. So, you know, when you have those kind of numbers, yeah, you can, you can run a 40 or 50 person crew when you're scaling back to do maybe just TV or TV and a couple of pay-per-views and some live events impacts roster size is probably more appropriate. So um, I am sad that there are probably folks I won't see again, uh, at least in a ring of honor ring. Right. So I don't want this next statement to come off as, as harsh or as overlooking that fact as, as folks might not have jobs that, that had jobs before, but I am really excited to see who walks through the door. I think it gives us an opportunity to refresh our look and feel, our roster, to give interesting matchups that we haven't seen before. I think it's a really good opportunity for folks that have chances to go other places like PCO 
to get a new coat of paint and to be refreshed and to be a part of something different. Um, PCO was amazing for three years. He was in Ring of Honor. But if you're in somewhere for so long uh, in, in a wrestling role, sometimes it is good to go to a different company. Sometimes it is good to have different opponents. And it's always okay to come back. Uh, look at the reaction that Mike Bennett got when he came back. First time he came out with a crowd. The reaction he got when, when Maria came back out as a manager uh, at Final Battle. It, you know, it's like the Bon Jovi song. Who, who says you can't go home? So, you know, there's stuff like that where I'm excited to see who walks through that door. I got a list. I know I'm going to be making suggestions. Saw a whole bunch of people at GCW that I'd like to see in a Ring of Honor ring. I saw a whole bunch of people at New Japan Strong I'd like to see in a Ring of Honor ring. Um, I, I know some folks that have, have been on AEW Dark that aren't necessarily under contract that might be able to, to swing through and swing by for, for Ring of Honor. Same thing with Impact. There's a couple of people there that aren't necessarily under a contract that I saw wrestle that were really great. Um, not trying to steal anybody, Scott, but you know, maybe we can use them together. <laughs> maybe Ring of Honor can have some folks that are duly featured um, or at least have an opportunity for, for some of the younger wrestlers that have a lot of promise to get some early experience. So, um, you know, I think, I think that's the benefit. I think it, this freshens the scene up. Uh, you know, if, if you look at WWE's roster, there's very few folks in the upper echelon that haven't been there for less than five years. You know, Damian, you know, Damian Priest is just about the only main event guy uh, and maybe Matt Riddle that haven't just seemed to have been there for a long time. Um, and I think to me, uh, having that shuffle, one of the things AEW does really well to me is they seem to have a really good way of break, putting guys in the feature spot, letting them kind of quietly fade out and then putting them back in the feature spot. And that keeps fans attention. And I think Ring of Honor has a nice opportunity to shake things up. I think Jonathan Gresham has a real great chance to, to be the flag bearer for us. And I think he has a great chance to get a lot of new, interesting opponents to challenge him for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Couldn't sum it up better myself. Obviously, it's a very, very exciting time. Uh, at least looking forward to it. We got a couple. We got a little. We got a little more time here in the hiatus. But then, come April, it's going to be a very, very exciting time. Can't wait to see what happens next with Ring of Honor. But again, to to look back, twenty twenty one. Uh, a banner year for Ring of Honor, even with the uh, bittersweet ending, you know, reaching new heights with uh, fans returning in, in July with Best in the, in the World, with the Women's Tournament, with just, you know, you mentioned Jonathan Gresham's uh, amazing rise, uh, countless and wonderful things to witness as a fan and uh, for you as a broadcaster, and we're very much looking forward to seeing uh, what the company does when it comes back. So with that being said, Ian, I thank you so very much, so very much for your time today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And um, I don't want to, I don't want to forget anybody. There's a couple guys. Uh, I just want to give shout outs to in 2021 guys and gals that I think went under the radar. Um, so if you have time, um, you can go to honor club, look up Josh Woods, uh, Tracy Williams, LSG, uh, world famous CB. Uh, and I don't know that they're under the radar, but pretty much anything, any match with dragon Lee and Tony Deppin, <laughs> um, and, and especially the two of them together, uh, I would go out of your way to watch. Um, they were something special. And uh, again, it, anything on Women's Division Wednesday, you can go to youtube.com slash ring of honor um, and click on the Women's Division Wednesday playlist or search Women's Division Wednesday, and you will not be disappointed. You'll, you'll, to me, you'll never be disappointed watching Ring of Honor. So uh, right now, check out Honor Club. And when it comes back, definitely check out Supercard of Honor. But again, Ian, thank you so much for your time. And here's to a very exciting future for Ring of Honor and for you. Uh, thank you so much.